the stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught! episode 17 me and the doctor once again and we're going to bring you a little bit of a review of Toulouse sevens and looking ahead to the final tournament of the season for the men london sevens uh welcome once again doc how are we very well thank you how about yourself how's your week been what have you been up to yeah very good thank you i uh, got back from london this weekend being up to all sorts doing some work for rupert cox's company first five media so is that the army navy game on saturday or was it the london sevens no one knows <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was filming some behind the scenes content there um in sort of dressing room team arrivals stuff that was going on the broadcast but also will be cut into a bit of a recap and, and sort of flavor of the day uh, in the post-edit. And then on the Sunday, I was doing a bit of presenting reporting at a live lacrosse tournament from Roslyn Park. So that was good fun, but it was a long day, uh, lot, lots going on. I didn't get back till late last night, but good fun. But, you know, we talked about having an earpiece in and things going on. Yeah, um, I had that on. I had talked back from the director absolutely hilarious towards the end of the show we were doing like a, a show wrap up just talking about our favorite moments and what was going on they had one camera locked off and the microphone was playing up a bit so they had a guy of 50 years broadcast experience holding a boom pole underneath the camera and he just strolled slowly across 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 so he stood <laughs> directly in front of the main camera because he thought there's another guy with a side camera and he thought that they were on that angle, but they weren't. Uh, it was one of those moments where I could kind of see it in my periphery. And I was like, he's in front of the camera there. And he was literally like his head was directly in front of the lens. <laughs> and I got the director going in my ear. And I had a quite loud going, Jason, you're in front of the camera. Jason, you're in front of the fucking camera. And he doesn't have a headset on, so he can't hear him. And I can hear it. The lady who's presenting can hear it. Luckily, the guy she was interviewing couldn't hear it because he would have been so off-putting. But it was one of those moments where I was just trying not to burst out laughing. <laughs> yeah, trying not to laugh. But I'll see if I can find it and send it across to you. But yeah, um, very, very good fun. But the, the joys of live production. How about you? What have you been up to? Uh, fun little weekend. Joined in on High Rocks. Did a four men's relay. It's kind of like a fitness race where you want, run a K and then do a workout. Uh, so we entered as a team of four, just a good bit of fun, something to train for while it's the off season. Uh, we came seventh overall, um, was good fun. But yeah, if anybody has a high rocks competition near them, highly recommend doing it. You can do it on your own in pairs, mixed doubles, women's teams, men's teams. Um, but there's a DJ going all day, fun little workout, don't need any technical skill. But yeah, really, really enjoyable. And uh, I think you're signed up to do one as well, Nighty, are you? Yeah, uh, my partner loves her CrossFit, the workout, so she's pulled me in to do one in November. So, yeah, got an Ironman first in, in September, and then once that switches, I'll switch the training over and, and get over to the, the high rocks. But, yeah, I've heard very good things. A few of my friends do it, very running focused. Did you find much transition between the rugby sort of training, sevens fitness, and the high rocks stuff? This is one place they're going. They've obviously attracted all the CrossFitters and that's a certain group of people and I think they're trying to now branch out and they've kind of identified rugby teams and players as other people who would benefit from that kind of training um so yeah I'd recommend it get get a team together if you're 
four of you or if you do fancy it go do the single or double but the four is a nice level of the running is more similar to rugby with the workout element of it rather than having to do like 8k on your own um, with eight workouts followed Nice. And just a word on our sponsors, Hyrox, who are bringing us this podcast. No, I'm just joking. We aren't sponsored by anyone. But If you do want to sponsor the pod, though, just yeah, drop us an email. Nice to get back to you. Right then, let's get into it. Um, obviously, Toulouse 7s was on the weekend. What a tournament that was. So much to unpick. But we're going to start with the women. And I guess we'll start at the top. New Zealand won once again, crowned series champions, but also crowned Toulouse champions. They came back down from 14-0 down to beat USA 19-14 in an incredible final. It extends their winning streak to 36 games and means they have won six out of the seven events this year with their only silver medal coming way back in the first event in Dubai when they were missing some of their World Cup stars. Stacey Wacker, player of the final. Um, Sarah Hirony was, again, fantastic. But, yeah, terrific tournament. Uh, further to that, in terms of the other results, uh, Australia... Claimed bronze, beating France 33-7 and Japan finished fifth with a really terrific performance to beat Ireland 14-0. We'll unpick a few other bits and bobs, but Luke, what's your thoughts on on the women's action and, and that epic final? Yeah, fantastic weekend of rugby across the women's and the men's tournaments. Anytime you start writing notes down as the tournament's going on, and I could probably scroll for about 20 seconds just for the notes, you know that it's been a good tournament. Um, New Zealand, so impressive. You mentioned that they the only tournament they haven't won was right at the start of the year in Dubai. That almost felt like a bit of a passing over of the torch. Obviously, we'd seen Australia maybe sneaking towards slight dominance out of those two teams. But since that Dubai tournament going into Cape Town, it's just been all New Zealand. And uh, yeah, they've just looked incredible. They only had to hit the quarterfinals in Toulouse to win the whole series. Uh, they did that fairly comfortably. Uh, and then, yeah, it was just the road to the final to see if they could pick up the silverware as well. Um, probably worth um, giving USA a shout out, claiming their second silver medal of the year. Another massive achievement for them, uh, particularly uh, in the in, over the tournament weekend. Uh, Naya Tapa, who came in as captain, she was phenomenal. Um, some incredible tries out on social media if anybody wants to go and check those out but massive result for USA getting into the semis like you said they went up 14-0 but bit of a bit of a running theme for the weekend across the men's tournament as well it doesn't matter if New Zealand go down a try two tries there's just more levels they're like a car that seems to have like sixth seventh eighth and ninth gear they just seem to doesn't matter what level you get to they've got another one it's crazy yeah, it is ballistic. They they sort of have that extra gear, like you just said, mentioned, that they can shift to. And on USA, uh, like you said, got to give them a big shout out. Not only they won their second silver, but they medaled in six out of the seven events this year. The only one they didn't medal in was Hong Kong. So phenomenal consistency from them. Uh, in fact, you've got to say the top three teams dominate the series this year. I had a little look at the standings and they won... 19 out of 21 available medals across the seven tournaments. So the only two times one of those top three teams didn't medal was in Sydney when France picked up silver and in Hong Kong when Great Britain picked up bronze. But they've kind of been a level above everyone else this year. And it's a bit ominous uh, going forward, but the other teams have got to play catch up in that regard. 
Yeah, I think we've obviously known New Zealand, Australia, very strong teams. They're always there at the top. USA have been incredible this year. They're definitely leading the charge of closing that gap. And to be fair to teams like France, GB, uh, Ireland, to some extent, they've had a few tournaments where they've rivaled it with the big teams it's just there's a massive difference often to do with maybe squad depth or time together where you can turn it on over not just one or two tournaments but six seven the whole series um and yeah new zealand australia america massive achievement this year just cleaning everything up one thing that kind of stood out for me, I was watching the post-match interviews as well from the final and Sarah Hirony kind of showed the elite mentality of New Zealand, how disappointed she was to go 14-0 down in the final. You think they've just won the Toulouse, they've just won the series. But yeah, she was kind of really disappointed, not only with herself, but also the, the team going 14-0 down. I think that just kind of shows their elite level mentality and, and where they're at there. So yeah, that was just quite interesting for me. But there was quite a lot going on over the weekend, lots of records being broken. Yeah, huge. So just one last thing on that mentality. I think you saw it across the weekend in the men's and the women's. There was a couple of times they interviewed the 13th men and women while New Zealand were playing and they were obviously trying to ask them about, oh, you've already won the se- the series before getting to the finals and of the Toulouse tournament. And equally, they were like, oh, to be honest, I haven't really spoken about that all that often. We're just here to try and win Toulouse. And uh, that probably speaks massive volumes of where they're at as individuals and teams. And it's that elite mindset that you spoke about. And yeah, they're not just here to try and sneak a win or they're not looking even necessarily big picture. They're very much in the then and now. Um, I'm pretty sure the New Zealand team uh, talk a lot about the journey they're going on, not necessarily the destination. And um, yeah, that's summed up by that mentality. But yeah, you mentioned uh, some records being broken. Um, before we get to potentially the biggest one, uh, shout out to uh, Alev Kelter for America, who scored a 100th try for USA Sevens. Massive achievement. If you can score 50, if you can score 100, it's incredible achievement. But the one that everybody's been talking about is, of course, Maddie Levi breaking the season try scoring record, which was previously held by Portia Woodman. It was, I think it was 52. She scored 53 uh, on the second day. And then just to really emphasise it, she finished the World Series with 57 tries in one season, which is just absolutely mental. To put it into a bit of perspective, I think in my career, I scored something like 66 or 67. And uh, she's almost done that in uh, one season, which is just phenomenal. It is it is outrageous. And the fact that it's only been seven tournaments, you know, the men have 10 tournaments to score that many tries. She only has seven. And it's the second season as well. It's it's unbelievable. Phenomenal achievement. She is an incredible athlete and she's only going to get better, which is slightly worrying. Very worrying. Uh, the thing that's always nice to see, they're, they're a very tight group, the Aussie sevens, but particularly with her and her sister, Tegan, uh, Tegan Levi, uh, she sets her up for a lot of the, lot of the tries as well, which is very nice to see. Uh, I'm sure if I'm sure when their parents go and watch it, it must be incredible feeling just to see your daughters, uh, doing so well on the world stage in, uh, world series tournaments, world cups, and, uh, obviously they're off to the Olympics as well in Paris. Yeah, it's brilliant. Another big shout as well to Niall Williams, who played a last ever game for New Zealand. She's won Commonwealth gold and World Cup gold alongside Olympic silver medals. So she's left that jersey in a better place. And yeah, I think there's not a dry eye in the New Zealand squad uh, seeing her run out for a last game. Phenomenal achievements from her. 
Yeah, you could even see um, on the story for World Rugby Sevens, they always had their big award ceremony and they got her up to, I hope, accept an award. It was only a quick um, um, video on it. Uh, pardon me. But you could see the whole of the women's teams, referees, backroom staff. I think she had a, a well-deserved standing ovation. Um, she's put a lot into that jersey. I was I was reading about her move to rugby league. So she signed for a year with the Gold Coast Titans. Um, so a year is quite an interesting time frame of contracts. So I just wonder whether she potentially is eyeing up coming back at some point to New Zealand Sevens, or maybe it's just there, see how it goes and go from there. But um, she's not the first to transition over. It seems to happen far more commonly in New Zealand and Australia moving over to rugby league. Um, but yeah, wish her all the best there. I'm sure she'll excel like she's done on the Sevens field. Yeah, watch that space, see what happens. Uh, before we move on to the awards, got to mention Ireland Sevens uh, secured the final automatic Olympic qualification place. First time they qualified for the Olympics, phenomenal achievement for them, and you could see how much it meant. But they beat Fiji to qualify for the fifth placed final. GB lost Japan, the other one. It was kind of a three horse race. Uh, that match in the semi final for the fifth place was huge. But even if GB had won, they still wouldn't have been able to usurp Ireland in that so the result didn't matter but yeah phenomenal achievement for Ireland massive like it's uh coming to the end of the season is really really cool um but having if you can get in those first uh, those top positions you obviously get the accolades of winning the series or whatever it is but particularly in these Olympic qualification years like how cool is that you finish it uh, with all your mates and and you know you're guaranteed you don't have to go through the repechage or the pre the other qualifying events uh, and you can really set your sights for a good year's preparation ready for such a big event so yeah they join France New Zealand Australia and USA um, so that's already shaping up to be an absolutely incredible tournament but massive achievement for island women and uh yeah just uh, a couple of the videos of them celebrating went out on social media and uh awesome to see things you just love to see yeah it's brilliant and they put so much into that program and a lot of players have kind of sacrificed 15s to be in the seven so yeah it's one of those where you you were really happy for them but it also shakes up the sort of regional qualifying it probably makes things a little bit easier for gb meaning they don't have to compete with Ireland in that European leg of the qualifier series. And uh, yeah, it, it's just another sort of dynamic to the whole Olympic qualification places, isn't it? 100%. I think, uh, yeah, GB, they obviously would have taken Ireland qualifying over Fiji. Um, I'm pretty confident we'll see Fiji in the Olympics as well. And I think GB are in a, a good position to have a good crack at this Olympic qualifier and uh, punch their ticket ready for Paris. Yeah, we, we look forward to that. But as we know with Sevens, anything can happen and don't be surprised if there is an upset, but they, they're in a strong position there. Uh, we also had the awards doc. So do you want to run us through the, the award winners and the dream team for the year for the women? Yeah, so at the end of every season, there's a big dinner. It's a really good night out. Obviously, this is Toulouse was the end of the women's series. So I think it's a combination of referees, World Rugby staff and the commentators that give a lot of these awards out. So, uh, Rookie of the Year went to Georgia Miller from New Zealand. She's had an outstanding uh, first season, uh, as has quite a lot of players from New Zealand and Australia, but she pipped everyone uh, to the award. Uh, Canada Women got the Fair Play Award, which I always think is one of the funniest awards to have because I think that is purely... Um, 
are voted for by the referees and one uh, I don't think any team bar someone like Canada ever wins. Uh, although I think Argentina won it last year, potentially. Um, Maddie Levi was top try scorer. Rona Lloyd got try of the series for the try in Hong Kong where they beat France in the semis. Uh, sorry, beat France for the bronze medal. Riapi Olinisau from Fiji got the DHL impact player. And then finally, Pori Lane from New Zealand won the Cap Gemini Hot Stepper Award, which I think is a new one for her footwork in the Hamilton Sevens versus Fiji, which brings us on to the Dream Team. Uh, so this is a very cool award if you get nominated to be in here I think you often get either a special rugby ball or a jersey to commemorate it so that's pretty cool Uh, so Maddie Levi from Australia Charlotte Kaslick from Australia Michaela Bly from New Zealand Stacey Wacker from New Zealand Tyler Nathan Wong from New Zealand Sarah Hirini from New Zealand and Ilona Ma from USA so very very strong lineup as you'd imagine dominated by New Zealand with a bit of a sprinkling of Australia and America as well yeah what side that is um some some team very very powerful that would be a great team to watch play very very strong yeah phenomenal yeah congratulations to all of them and yeah what 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 season it's been for women sevens uh growing from strength to strength and yeah i'm excited to see it next year hopefully gb are even stronger they've had more time together and, and the and the series is a lot more competitive it's been competitive this year but we've kind of had those top three teams that have been kind of a level above everyone else France have been there or thereabouts but they've kind of had that three team gap then France and then Ireland GB and Fiji you know bringing up the rear but hopefully those three teams can make the step up and we can see an even more competitive series next year 100% particularly GB as an example they've got a young group of women there uh, who are definitely going to be around if they want to be for quite a few years on the seven circuit. And uh, as they've shown this year, they've gone from strength to strength. Uh, They've managed to get that bronze medal uh, in Hong Kong. So they know they can definitely mix it with these top teams. It's now, can you do that three tournaments of the year, four tournaments of the year and, and potentially even more. So hopefully I know there's some things that still need working out as GB as a setup, I'm sure we'll get into that in, in another pod, but um, they've got a great young group of women there, like I said, and yeah, ex- hoping and expecting big things from them. Right, moving on to the men. Uh, New Zealand made it a blackout and joined their female counterparts as not only series champions, but winners in Toulouse. They beat Argentina in a thrilling final once again, 24-19. Roderick Solo scoring the winner in extra time. It was his second in the match and he had the sort of better on Marcus Manetta, uh, burning him on the outside twice, which you don't see very often. But yeah, fantastic tournament from both of those teams. In the third place match, France beat Canada 28-12 to claim bronze and Australia overcome Ireland 26-21 to claim fifth place. Uh, we'll start with the final. We've got plenty to unpack. Uh, what a final it was, again, showing New Zealand's elite mentality to come back from, I think they were 19-5 down at one point. But yeah, it was that man, Roderick Solo, who was who was the, the player of the final. What a match he had. Mad, he is incredible. We'll get on to him because his story's pretty class as well um but it's a bit like what we said earlier with the with the new zealand women as well there is just always an extra gear uh you saw in the final but particularly in the semi-final when they were playing france um they'd essentially lost the game 
Uh, France were all over them, but they just stayed in it within one score. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the last play of the game with Mickelson, where um, France turned the ball over uh, and he basically just had to like get the ball past Mickelson to the winger who would have walked under the sticks and they would have won. And just out of nowhere, Mickelson just sticks two hands in the air and catches it as he's tried to like lob it over his head and boots it out. And um, it's just phenomenal. Shows obviously how easily sevens can swing, but for all intents and purposes, France had just dominated them. But New Zealand just stay with you and then they just hit you at the right time. Um, and again, you saw it in the final where Manetta, he's like the man everyone is talking about on the World Series throughout the year. He's been absolutely phenomenal, scored a silly number of tries on the weekend. Yet yeah, when it came down to it, young lad in uh, Roderick Solo just was like, I'm not respecting you at all. I'm just going straight at you and see if you can stop me. And the two times he went at him, the two times he came out on top, which was, uh, which is, yeah, incredible to see. Just. Yeah, and this is one of their youngest players doing that. And uh, the lads who have been around for a while, they just keep going, keep going, keep going. It's crazy. It is mad. And, you know, Manette had a great game himself, scored scored a great try, got that interception. And he had two chip over the tops, which if the bounce had been more favourable, he could have picked up two more tries. He was winning turnovers off the deck. But yeah. you've got to say, Roderick Solo, first professional season on the seventh circuit, 21 years old. And he's just gone, I don't care who you are. I'm going to give you a go on the outside. And I absolutely love that. And yeah, two phenomenal finishes. The, the, the dive to win it in extra time was again, quality quality finish but his story is is absolutely mental isn't it how he got to becoming a international sevens player yeah for uh they, they asked him about it after the final but it, it had been out in a video before but i think he was coming back from an injury and he basically got clark Laidlaw's number from somewhere and he said just is there any way or anything i can do to potentially come and show you what i can do and play some sevens and to be fair to Clark Laidlaw he gave him a two-week kind of trial and um, we're obviously seeing that it was a pretty obvious decision uh, why you should sign him but um, yeah straight after the two weeks Clark Laidlaw gave him a professional sevens contract and the rest is history as they say and he's been phenomenal all year and it's quite um scary in a way when someone so young comes into such an amazing team and stands out in such a way they've obviously got incredible players in Regan Ware, Rocklesoa um but again after the weekend and after a few of the tournaments this year a lot of people have been talking about Roderick Solo so it's phenomenal achievement at such a young age and you see it a lot where boys make the transition up to the All Blacks and I just wonder whether he's the next superstar yeah, you've got to say it's, it's an extreme level of confidence. I wouldn't call it arrogance, but you know he can back himself. If he's going to ring up Clark Leglaw, and it wasn't give me, you know, can I come to training? It was like, what can I do to get in the squad? You know, he was asking that question. As a coach, that's something you'd love to hear is, you know, playing, asking what he can do to be better. And he given that opportunity, he went down to the mountain, like you said, he impressed for two weeks and the rest is history. But he seems to have this like, air of confidence and that kind of infallibility as, as you are when you're younger and, you know, whether it will change he gets older, but he's, he's come onto the, the circuit. He doesn't seem to really care who he's up against. He's just going to back himself 100%. And he's added that extra dimension to New Zealand servers. Not that they were one-dimensional, but he's kind of this, he's not only got this pace to burn, but he's got the step to go with it. So he he's adding the extra X factor to that New Zealand squad that was perhaps not there. Not saying they don't have that X factor, but he, he's added that you know extra bit of sprinkle of dust on the top. 
100%. I think the other two lads that have played for New Zealand have been incredible in their own right. Um, they obviously have X Factor in positions like centre. Their forwards have always been phenomenal. Um, but we're starting to see uh, the, now the kind of outer-backs in their sevens team, the younger lads coming through, Moses Leo being one of them, just phenomenal. And they've not even taken any time to warm up to the World Series. They've just come straight in, hit the ground running, and yeah, scoring tries, smashing people, winning tournaments, living the dreams at <laughs> 20, 21 years old. <laughs> It is mad. And yeah, big shout as well to Tim Mickelson, 100th tournament for him. And you've got to say as well, Argentina, they were phenomenal all weekend and they were right in they were right in the game right until the end. I don't know if you watched the final, but a sort of unforced knock-on from a penalty with 50 seconds left from Rodrigo Isco. And there were opportunities there for them to snatch the game. And you've got to say, he was phenomenal all tournament. I really felt for him. He just took his eyes off the ball for a split second knock-on. And that took all the momentum, but they looked like they were in the ascendancy at that point. Yeah, I think that was the turning point. But I think that is, coming back to our earlier point with New Zealand, that is what New Zealand can do to you. You'll never get more than two tries ahead of them normally. And then all it takes is that one knock on, that one missed tackle. They get another seven points and they either just pip a new to win or they're starting to then get into another gear and pull away from you. And that's that mentality of that all black sevens team. Yeah. They've actually competed in four finals this year, uh, uh, New Zealand and Argentina and New Zealand have come out winners on three occasions. So slight little bit of dominance for them. And that'll be a big psychological advantage heading into next season. And then the Olympics, I think, but there's plenty else to unpack. Um, Argentina and Fiji also secured Olympic qualification there's one automatic place remaining, uh, and that is, at the minute, a three-team battle between Australia, Samoa, and South Africa. Now, Australia are currently in the driving seat. They are in fifth place, and they have a nine-point lead over the other two teams. Interestingly as well, they have quite a significant points uh, difference advantage over South Africa, but they are behind by Samoa. So what's your thoughts on that race for that fifth and final automatic qualifying place? A lot to do for the other two teams to catch Australia, isn't there? Yeah, it it adds another layer of excitement for Twickenham. If I was going to put my money on it, I think Australia have enough to get themselves into that automatic qualification spot. And the Olympics means a lot to uh, teams in Australia. Um, again, it's not impossible. Samoa and South Africa could do it. Out of the two of them, I'd say Samoa has the best chance, but um, they didn't have an amazing weekend in Toulouse. Um, so yeah, I'd if I was a Tibetan man, I'd go uh, Australia to make that last spot. Yeah, the, the thing is, there's not been a huge amount of consistency from both uh, Samoa and South Africa. They kind of fluctuated. They've either had a really good tournament and then they followed up with a kind of a weaker tournament. But as we know, in sevens, anything can happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you could end up seeing you know South Africa taking the title. But they need a big result. They kind of need to win the tournament. Yeah. And they need Australia to finish in that bottom half, which that is a lot to ask, isn't it? 100%. Uh, again, not doable. Sevens is a tournament. This can definitely happen in, but I think it's less likely. They both have won an event. Oh, well, all three teams have won an event this year. In fact, those three teams won the first three events of the series, but they've kind of been inconsistent ever since. And 
with New Zealand in the form they're in, with Argentina in the form they're in, even France and Fiji are looking dangerous and Ireland look good again this weekend. So again, it, it's super competitive. And we've also got the fact that the tournament in Twickenham is only going to be a 12-team event. Thoughts on that, Luke? Yeah, uh, that's going to be really interesting. Um, we can have a chat about that. I, I'm interested to see how the 12-team tournament works. Um, probably just in terms of jumping back to Toulouse quickly, um, Canada, probably need to give them a shout-out. They've obviously going to be in that uh, round-robin in Twickenham, but they had an incredible uh, Toulouse tournament where they made all the way to the semis and then finished fourth. Um, big kind of markers put down in terms of that uh, round robin that's going to happen. They beat Uruguay 26-0 on the weekend and beat Kenya 33-7 uh, before beating Australia 12-10 in the quarters. Uh, uh, they've set themselves up for a really good tournament in Twickenham. And if you were asking me before Toulouse had happened, I think I wouldn't have given them too high a chance of winning that round robin. But it's made it even more exciting. They've had such a good weekend pre-Twickenham. Yeah, it was the Canada of old coming back out. and It was little, too little too late for them, but it just goes to show that the quality is there throughout the whole teams. And it's such a shame we are cutting it down to 12. But we'll speak about that a little bit later in, in a separate pod. But down at the bottom, there was a fascinating battle between Spain and Uruguay to finish 11th and be that last team to stay on the series. It was it was incredible battle. Yeah, both teams had to overcome Pacific Island opposition in the ninth place semi-finals. It was Spain who came out on top. They beat Samoa, but Uruguay lost to Fiji. That confirmed Spain's status as a core team for 2023-2024. And boy, did they celebrate. Uh, it was brilliant to see. They're a team Spain that I've played so like so often in my career, right from the first couple of tournaments. Um, obviously, the team's changed, but there's been a few players that have been around the whole time, like Paul Pla. So uh, they've been given the tournament in Madrid, obviously next year, one of the core stops. And I just think it would have been such a massive shame if Spain as the home team weren't there to play in it. Um, I feel for Uruguay, they've had such an amazing season and I, like I've been in some pretty nasty relegation battles with Wales, uh, but often we've ended up just playing the teams we were fighting with. So when it came down to it and essentially whichever one of these teams finished higher than the other one, they were going to get that uh, 11th spot. I thought that was pretty cruel where both of them had to play Samoa and then Fiji. Uh, to see who won because obviously they hadn't made it into the bottom court finals and fair play to Spain for dispatching Samoa and uh, just not quite enough from Uruguay to beat Fiji but again thought that was pretty pretty savage because they've had they've had good seasons obviously ups and downs but the last two or three tournaments have been an incredible scrap between the two teams two teams that play with a lot of heart they play attractive sevens they've obviously got cool stories in terms of their potentially slightly less traditional or big rugby nations, even though they're obviously very passionate about the rugby. Um, but they have a core group of boys who like live and die for that jersey, which is very commendable. And um, it's sad that one of them has had to go down into this relegation battle and obviously risk losing their core status. Yeah, one, one point separated them in the end. I would have loved both teams to win that semi-final and then they'd have a, a showdown to see who stayed up and even if that had happened and Spain had won I think they would have been level on points so you'd have had to get the calculators out and work out points difference but yeah congratulations to Spain commiserations to Uruguay but that 
now means the four teams competing in the playoff in Twickenham are Uruguay, Kenya, Canada and Tonga, who won the Challenger Series with Japan being straight up relegated. But I think given they finished 21 points behind Canada and only amassed 18 points all year, and considering Tonga amassed 12 in only two tournaments, then you know, got to say that, that they didn't even put up a fight. They couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag this year. No, they had one uh, in Singapore. They showed a glimpse of of where they could be at. Um, but yeah, just uh, it's not even too little too late. They were just well behind the races this year. Um, but in, uh, but as we touched on already, this tournament round robin in Twickenham is going to be crazy between those four teams. And to be completely honest with you, I can't pick a winner. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, who who are you thinking there? But obviously, Uruguay are strong, finishing high up. Tonga looked phenomenal in the Challenger Series, and they and they looked really good when they were on the circuit. Um, Canada obviously finishing fourth and showing form very at the last minute. And even Kenya looked good in in their couple of the games, and you never know with them. So it's going to be impossible to call. Yeah, I think if I. I have a feeling it's potentially going to come down to Uruguay and Tonga. Um, obviously, Canada went incredibly well on the weekend. I, I hope they can keep that going on the second weekend, but you often see it's quite hard to replicate that. Kenya, uh, they did play some good rugby. They can do some incredible rugby, but they weren't amazing on the weekend. And then, yeah, Tonga fairly comfortably won the challenger series they look class when they were on the series they're like a big physical quick team uh they look like they really really want to get in the mix with the uh with the other uh teams like samoa and fiji um which would be quite scary if they do go on to the series um so i don't know i i don't even know who i would like to see win from that because uh i would love to see all the teams on the series but yeah it's going to be Massive joy for one team and then pretty savage for the other three teams because I'm not 100% sure how easy now it will be to qualify again for the World Series. I think they potentially will do something similar to what they've done this year where a certain number of the World Series teams have to compete with the winner of the Challenger to regain their, their spots, which I think makes it harder to get onto the Series. Yeah, it's a lot of uncertainty around, you know, how teams will get back on. But yeah, pick if I had to like who I wanted to stay up out of those four, for me it would either be Kenya or Canada, just because they are teams that have such you know such a legacy within seven, especially Ken Kenya. It's it's one of their national sports. They're they're always characters on the series. Their fans bring so much energy and noise. But you know, Canada, again, very historic, great team. So I'd like to see one of those two stay up because if they go down, it's like you said, it's going to be so hard to get back on, and it could be almost the end of their sevens programs. It could end. It could end them. Really, that's the saddest thing about it all. For for people kind of wondering um, if you're not quite, um, you don't follow the sevens or, or kind of the inner workings of it. Um, we obviously sound quite doom and gloom for the teams here. There is ways for it to get back, but often unions won't fund players program so they may go from being professional players to semi-professional or even just put together for a tournament so they'll still be able to play but 
hopefully if you watch the World Series, you can see why the teams like New Zealand uh, are at the top because they have a fully professional program, lots of the highest talent getting to train year on year, not just from tournament to tournament. And that kind of, those that team environment is what wins you games, wins you tournaments, wins you series. So by dropping down, these countries then risk losing funding, losing players because potentially go off, get jobs, stop playing, seven aside row, we might play 15s. And for me, then that is one of the biggest steps is to how do you then restart this program to get yourself into the position, not only just to win the challenger, but to then win this round robin and get onto the series and it takes a big commitment from players who are maybe semi-pro and also a lot of money from unions who maybe don't want to open up their pockets to fund something that may not happen so this is why world rugby really needs to get this second uh, second tier of sevens going to bridge that gap a little bit better um but yeah, it's going to be savage for three teams who don't get onto the series after Twickenham. Yeah, I echo your thoughts. And when they made the announcement they were cutting the men's tournament from 16 down to 12, I, I was very disappointed. I can understand the reasons they want to align the men's and the women's. They want them to compete across the same weekends and time constraints and things like that. But I don't think that should be at the expense of the men's game because what's going to happen now is the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams is just going to grow ever wider and there's going to be 12 men's teams that are competing at a high standard regularly on the series. They're going to keep growing, growing, growing. And then those teams that are separate, they're not going to have the, first of all, the high standard of competition that the World Series provides, but that constant high standard of competition. So they're going to find themselves more or less training against other teams or themselves playing against weaker standard opposition. That gap is just going to get wider and wider and wider. And I think, yeah, we might see the end. Like you said, teams will maybe stop funding their programmes. Players might lose interest. So I think World Rugby have to do the right thing and try and put some money into growing this Challenger Series. So there is a second tier competition that is not only competitive, but consistent. That means the teams that when they do come up against the World Rug- uh, World 7 Series teams, they're able to bridge that gap. Otherwise, it's just going to be too much of a disparity. And yeah, we'll see teams just fading away at the first opportunity. Yeah, which would be so sad. That's the main thing for the men's and the women's. They need a good challenger series in place, bridge that gap. Um, And if you kind of want proof of what we're talking about, just go and see some of the interviews with the Spanish players after they secured their spot. Just look at the celebrations, look how much it means to them. Um, They know how much of a big risk it is going into that round robin tournament in Twickenham and how big it is for them from a funding point of view. Um, for their job, their, it's jobs at the end of the day uh, for next season. And you think about how it, the, the effort it takes to get on the series, right? You know, you know a lot of the Hong Kong boys, how many times they've been through with Harry, how, how long it took Ireland to get there. Germany, who are a fully funded program, you know, you know, look how many times they've tried. You know, they can they can spend all this money, all this time, all this effort, and then it comes down to a shootout tournament such as Twickenham, where with rugby sevens, a bounce of the ball, a refereeing decision, maybe not clicking that weekend. It, it's so much riding on so little time, isn't it? it it's, it's so hard. Yeah, no, I completely agree 
Hong Kong, perfect example, uh, fully funded program they've been trying for a long time. Uh, it is sevens is difficult to play. It's difficult to get on the series and it can be difficult to stay on there. And obviously the, the pool of teams is getting smaller uh, to 12 teams. So I think the competition has just got a whole lot more difficult and um they make it. They've made the decision to grow the game. I really hope it does in the long run. But for the short term, I think it's gonna shrink the pool down initially. Um, hopefully, like we said, they get the Challenger series up and running, and that will grow it. Um, but we're not hearing loads and loads of talk about that from World Rugby as of yet. No, as well. One thing we've got to remember is that there'll also be no more invitational teams. So there'll just be the set core 12 teams. And like we've seen on the men's, every tournament usually has an invitational team, which are either from that country or around that country, that continent. And they come on, they get to compete and they get to have a taste of the World Series and get exposed to that higher level of rugby, which again, there's no more opportunity for that. So that's another thing we're going to lose. In an ideal world, Doc, how would you have done it? Would you have done it differently? Any Any ideas on your head? I fully appreciate where they're coming from in terms of making 12 teams across men's and women's. The big thing for me, uh, I've mentioned a few times now, you need another challenger series, which again could have 12 teams in it. They don't necessarily need to have eight tournaments to begin with, but if you could do a challenger series for five tournaments throughout the year, I think you'll find a lot more unions willing to fund that. And then you could even do something like the top two teams from the challenger the bottom two or three teams from the world series play off and then so forth but it's not so much of like dropping into the abyss if you get relegated from the world series and equally the gap from the top of the challenger series to the bottom of the world series shouldn't be that small you see it in leagues across the world and it works really well um we're almost trying to reverse engineer it in rugby sevens because it's always been a certain uh, 16 teams in the men's. Um, I think it's the right way to go in promoting both the men's and women's. I just think, I feel like they've just missed one step here in not uh, solidifying that challenger series. Um, Again, I feel like it's a business decision from quite high up in world rugby with potentially not the uh, understanding of how unions and teams actually view sevens as programs and if you ask all the 16 teams uh, unions that are currently on the men's season you'll see probably get 16 different answers of how they approach sevens or where they value it in terms of fitting around their age group program or near top of their elite program so um, I don't feel like that was necessarily looked into enough before they've made this decision they've gone purely for commercial and um i guess yeah tv audience yeah it's a lot of food for thought there and some really good points yeah for me i would have liked to have seen them keep the 16 men's teams and then eventually try and bring up the women's tournament to 16 teams but i know that comes with a higher cost and the big issues they have is around scheduling and if they're running the men's and the women's side by side the time it takes to run both tournaments and have them both on one pitch and You've got to think of the fans, the long days and the players. You know, there's a lot to fit in there. But my way of combating that is have the second pitch. You know, we saw it in Dubai um, where, you know, if you don't do so well on day one or you go out and play on the second pitch and that's even bigger incentive for you to do well because you want to be in the main pitch in front of the big, big audiences. But it, 
you, you'd understand as a sevens player, I'd rather play in those elite tournaments on a second pitch than not playing them at all, if that makes sense. So, you know, that's what I would like to see, but it's, it's, it's done, it's dusted now. Maybe in the future, we'll be able to get back up to 16 teams. But again, it was World Rugby, whether it's a commercial decision, but also trying to align it with the Olympic format, which is ultimately the pinnacle. That, that's the reasons behind it. So, yeah, it's going to be some big changes over the next couple of years and it'd be interesting to see they happen. But I'm excited for this weekend. I don't even know what the the, the, the pools for the normal draw are. And I, I don't need, I, what's the format for the knockout? Is it just a straight out round robin, winner takes all? Uh, I think it is just the round robin. I will have to double check that. That was the original schedule that was put in. I, d- I can't see how they'll do it without making them all play each other a second time, which I don't see the point of doing that. So I think it is just the round robin. It is a fair way to do, but it also makes it even more brutal because there's no second chances. But yeah, I'll be I'll be also interested in seeing the new. Obviously, the twelve-team men's format will will take similar to the women's, and just seeing how competitive that is. 100%. It's going to be a class weekend. I hope there's a big crowd at London Sevens. It's been regrowing over the last couple of years, obviously, since the heyday of Twickenham Sevens. And yeah, I just hope there's good weather, good bit of rugby on show. And um, yeah, looking forward to watching it. Yeah, hopefully the London Sevens back to its its best and it's a great send off for some of the teams and it's a great way to finish the season i won't be heading up i'll be doing a bit of filming in the week with usa sevens ahead of this muchly anticipated new york sevens tournament which we're going to get onto in another pod but i think we'll finish up luke with this is this isn't sevens for this week yep so we'll start with this isn't sevens kind of going back to the last chat we had um just giving it to world rugby just taking it down from 16 to 12 men's teams when amazing case in point Canada getting all the way to the bronze medal match uh, and then this is sevens going to give it a joint one now I can't pick between them so the first one is to New Zealand sevens as a whole uh, phenomenal performances from the men and the women and I don't want to split them I think it's just incredible a program is just dominating the world series so like just year on year and it's incredible to see um and then gonna give that jointly also to maddie levi i think this try scoring record is massive obviously held by a legend before in porsche woodman and it's only her second season i think that's right and she's just got an absolutely obliterated the try scoring record at the moment i can only see her breaking it if she carries on playing sevens but um she's definitely someone i'd love to get on the pod and chat to a little bit more but yeah so this is sevens goes jointly to maddie levi and then new zealand sevens as a whole fair and well well deserved this isn't this is sevens this week and yeah new zealand sevens phenomenal and slightly worrying for the rest of the world they got they got some catching up to do uh any shout outs this week luke yeah, massive shout out to uh, Sunday Times rugby correspondent Stephen Jones. Um, really looking forward to the London Sevens this weekend in Twickenham. Um, so if you do want to tell him how much you're looking forward to it, feel free to tweet him, tag the Sevens pod. And uh, yeah, let's get a bit of a buzz around the Twickenham Sevens for the second week in a row. Yeah, let's get it going. Any fancy dress ideas you got, just send them over to him. His his handle is at Stephen Jones9. Just your know, Twitter, tag him as much as you can. Like he loves London Sevens. He can't wait for it. So yeah, 
just send all the love towards him. That'd be great. Uh, remember, give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and, and hit that follow or subscribe button. That would be really appreciated. And if you do, send a screenshot to Luke Trahan and he will get you a free This Is Sevens running program out to you. No one's yet to claim it, so be that first person. But until next time, we'll be back uh, with a review of Twickenham Sevens. But I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Diolch Solange.